Bersane Beristain of Even Oxen joins the antidote. Man, it's great to have you here. Yeah, it's great to be here, man. Love your show. Well, thanks. And I enjoy your music, and that's why you're here. You know, I got to find out something really important right at the start. Is there any relationship between you and the Berenstain Bears? Um, when I was a kid, we used to like AR reading points. If you got like a certain amount of points at the end of like the month, you could get like a cupcake or like another little prize. I read all the Berenstain Bear books when I was a kid, so I could get all like a cupcake at the end of like a year. But that's the only relationship I have with them. Doesn't seem like much of a deal to get one <laughs> cupcake for reading all those books. No, it really wasn't. And then, like, sometimes I would watch the Harry Potter movies and then I'd go take the AR test for that, and I would fail. Them. So <laughs> I thought I knew. <laughs> yeah, the movie version's never the same as the book. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, now that we've covered off all of this formal literature, I'm going to about how you got into music. Did you feel driven to record as even oxen, or were you just looking at something being fun? Um, yeah, when I started making music, I, I guess it all started um, when I heard System of a Down when I was like 13 years old. They made me want to pick up a guitar, so I guess that's when I started writing music. And ever since then, I have just been kind of incorporating my faith into music, and as I've been growing and listening to different kinds of music it's just been uh putting itself in there but no i guess i've never really thought like even oxen was ever going to be a thing even my first ep was just the six songs recorded on there took place over i would say like four or five years and they really they were just demos that i would make for my friends occasionally i guess like the time that 2015 hit i just compiled it all together and even oxen just was kind of a name that was going through my head and I thought I'd put it down as a, like, a legit thing. Well, I think I'm probably going to end up asking all the questions that an interviewer is never supposed to ask. No, feel free to, man. <laughs> I'm genuinely interested. Okay, so first off, I think I figured out where the name Even Oxen comes from, but it would be great if you could explain it to our listeners. Um, well, Even Oxen is based off where Paul talks about being evenly yoked. Like oxen. Oh, so. good. So I did guess <laughs> is that, is that, that means I get the cupcake. <laughs> you get the cupcake, man. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted. No, that's it. I chose even oxen because like any Christian who's like familiar with the New Testament will like automatically recognize. Like, like it's almost like universal. Well, when, when I grew up, all my friends already knew what it meant. And uh, it's just it's cool to know that like even you knew where it came from. Uh, plus, I I like the idea that it's like, what it, what is that, Dave? It does it, it. It's not alliteration, but it's something, isn't it? Oh, don't ask me. <laughs> I am so unintelligent at this time of the day. <laughs> okay, I don't know. It just sounds like it rolls off the tongue nicely. So, I got to be really honest. When I first heard even oxen, I really wasn't sure what to think. I mean, you've got this sort of unusual mix of style. It's sort of like Sufjan Stevens meets Neutral Milk Hotel. Was that what you were aiming for? Well, I guess Sufjan and Neutral Milk Hotel weren't exactly the thing that was going on through my mind. But I think with music, isn't that, like I go in with an exact idea. It, it, more so that my influences just kind of like seep out 
into my music. I think it's great that you see like Sufjan and Nutrimokotil because yeah, I, I love those guys so much. And they were the artists that I grew up with. And they were the ones that got me to expand my taste a little bit more. Because Sufjan, especially back in 2011, when I heard From the Mouth of Gabriel, I mean, that song just changed my life. Like, I never, I didn't think of music the same way again. And then, the year after that, when I listened to In the Aeroplane Over the Sea by Nutrimokotel, I thought it was the most amazing thing ever. I, and I didn't even know that you could make music as diverse as, like, having influences from, like, traditional to punk and then even just to indie acoustic and those guys, I mean, they really are an inspiration for everyone. And I'm so glad that they're enjoying their success right now. Because without them, I mean, I, I definitely don't think I'd sound the same. That's for sure. Well, maybe not too much success with Neutral Milk Hotel since they've been on hiatus forever now. <laughs> they really have been. And, you know, it's kind of a bummer. But at the same time, it's just so cool. Because they did do a few tours. Um, 2014 is when I got to see them. I mean, they sounded just like they do on the album, if not better, because like you got to actually be there. That's crazy that you know about Nutrimokotel. I think that's so awesome. I don't, I don't get to talk to many Christians who know about them. What else has been influential to you as a musician? So when it's not artists or my faith, my biggest influence has definitely got to be credited to um, the, the music board on 4chan. Because 4chan? 4chan? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, you've heard of it? I've been on 4chan before and I went, <laughs> I don't think I'm coming back anymore. <laughs> oh, man. You know, that is the good response. And I don't blame anyone for taking that route. Uh, because there are some places on there that just can get a little dark. But uh, the music board is, is a lot lighter in terms of like the themes and the discussion. It's not a perfect place by any means. But without them... I wouldn't be who I am today in terms of my music because I feel like there's no group online that loves music so much to the point that they're willing to like just debase it and, and like trash talk it completely because when it comes to their opinions, they have more of like an elitist kind of attitude when it comes to music. It, it's almost like as if music is just an accessory to them, but it's, it, I mean, it produces some great things when they ha when they elevate the standards so high. And, and it's really what made me want to make sure that if I make something, not only do I want to make it something that, like, Christians will like, but I want it to be something that these guys will like, too. That was, like, a huge inspiration to me to, like, kick it up a notch. And I definitely wouldn't be the same, and even Oxen wouldn't be the same, if I didn't have their, their constant criticism and their love for music, and their hate for music as well. Okay, so we covered off the easy part of your music. You know the part that really messes with me is when you <laughs> add in these totally chaotic elements, like on your self-titled release, I read the song title, Pasture Grazing. I was <laughs> sort of expecting, you know, something light and melodic. And I mean, it starts that way with you reciting Psalm 100, but then it explodes with noise. Why did you want it to take that direction? Okay, so in 2014, the year before I released the EP, is when I really got like pushed into like experimental music. Like I said earlier, Sufjan and Chumagotel, they expanded my, my taste to include more variety. But it wasn't until I heard uh, Merzbo's 
Pulse Demon. I didn't know about noise music until then. Uh, I was re- I was reading Pitchfork a lot during during those time, and um, when they covered Merzbo's uh, Pulse Demon, I- I'd never heard about it. So when I checked it out, I didn't understand it at first because I- I'd never heard anything like it, and I didn't understand that there was a whole like scene dedicated to noise. But I, I mean, I gave it a shot. I kept like giving it more listens and and trying to see what I was missing because it just wasn't making any sense for me. And um, it wasn't until I listened to this album by Christopher uh, Forgues. He's like a Rhode Island noise artist. And he made this album back in like the early 2000s called Royal Paint with the Metallic Gardener. It's actually like a really long title. That's just the like the first few words. I don't know if you're familiar with noise, but a lot of the scene is it circles around dark topics most noise artists i I would say they feel more comfortable like including like the darker like subjects of the world whether it's like death but christopher forgues like he would make music as uh, under the name kites and his noise music was the first time that i'd heard a noise artist try to pull beauty out of it and it really shown out to me because um like the album cover itself it has all these kids running with balloons and they're super happy and and like, it was just crazy. Like, and then even even the music itself, it, it's noisy, but it has like themes like staring at the sun. Staring at the sun is painful, but at the same time, it's like I don't know. There's just something nice about being out in the sun. I mean, you have to look at it if you're underneath it. But um, yeah. So when I heard <laughs> to make a long story short, when I heard that album, that's what inspired me to want to pull the beauty of noise into something that I could make. And I guess that's where pasture grazing comes from because. Christ's death is extraordinarily like gruesome, but it is incredibly beautiful too. And I felt like that was one way that I could reconcile the sound of harsh noise and like a theme of beauty. Well, that's interesting because each of the even oxen releases finds you sharing your faith about God. And it all seems so positive. Are there no tough times? Well, you know, I mean, I think it's funny to hear that so often, and because people always say that it, it sounds so happy. You know, my music sounds like comfy, or and like that it sounds happy. I mean, I, I'm so surprised to hear this because when I make those songs, they actually come out of a more sadder part. And so, I, and I'm really surprised that it comes out that way to other people. It just shows like how different things can appear to everyone else. But um, for one thing, like the title track, "Right Above the Seraphim Lights," like. I mean, like, the whole song is on... I mean, if you just took it down verse by verse, it's actually a little... I don't know. Not, not self-loathing, but deals w- way more with, like, sin in my life. How uh, I, I could never actually love anyone if I'm not with God. Besides God, I, I can't love anyone. I'm going back to that verse, like, we don't know God, then we can't love anyone because God is love. And um, I guess another example, even, even Luma just has me like yearning for god and it's not really like a like a happy thing like when i made that song it really was just like jesus why does the wait have to be so long you know like why do we have to be in this world and suffer yeah when i'd rather just be home with you um that, that was just rambling but really when i look at my music i don't really see the happiness but i guess i feel the same way when it comes to pet sounds by the beach boys i mean it's an album that's just like like the music and the melody sounds so happy, but if you just looked at the lyrics, it's a little depressing. 
It's true about your music being that way. You've got that negative aspect, but that begins it. And most I've been finding you've sort of got a resolution at the end of it. And that brings it up. You know, you're right about that, actually. I guess I forget, like, <laughs> I forget how my music goes sometimes. <laughs> it's <was> terrible. <laughs> but yeah, no, I guess you're right. I guess the resolution is the thing that just puts that silver lining on it. I don't know. It may, so now I guess it makes more sense. I don't know. I, get, I need to listen to my music more often. <laughs> <laughs> we spoke about past your grazing coming from your self-titled release. You know, even Ox and the EP that came out just last year. Debuts have got to be the most difficult thing to put together. So how did you approach it? Because you did mention that it was a collection that you've sort of put together over a few year period. Well... That's a good question. Uh, even me, when I was like going through my laptop and like looking back at the songs that I could salvage, there were some songs that were left out. Um, actually, there was a lot of songs even in the last album that I didn't get to put in there because I just feel like it didn't like fit well. For the EP, well, originally I had these, these songs that were in my computer back in California. Uh, that, that's where I grew up recording them anyways. And... Uh, one day, I think it was just dusty, and my parents tried to clean out the computer, and so they just like crashed it, and I couldn't like retrieve any of the songs. So the only songs that made it from that computer were the five songs, um, besides Pasture Grazing, and Pasture Grazing was the one that I wrote in 2014, and kind of like I really didn't have much of a choice when it came to that because those were the only ones that survived from the time that I that I grew up. Okay, well, let's bring it up to date, because that was the EP that came out last year, and this year you brought out your full-length, Arrayed Above the Seraphim Lights. Talk about the recording and how you produce your music, because, I mean, it's really unusual, and at times it even comes across as being a bit (laughs) lo-fi. Yeah, um, well, I recorded the album, like, using my phone. Using your phone to record. (laughs) serious it's not something i would recommend it was the most (laughs) stressful like recording thing i've ever done because like i said up to that point i'd never thought about taking music seriously and i'd never tried to do like a session where i would say okay i've got these songs i'm gonna get them all done within this time frame and then i'm gonna put it out and honestly it was only stressful because of the equipment that i had which was like really limited but to answer your question I recorded it using my phone and using my laptop, but I didn't have a microphone. So I would have to record with the microphone on the laptop. It's just between those two sources. <laughs> that sounds brutal to do. Yeah. <laughs> and especially to add on top of that, like, I didn't have any Wi Fi in my house during that time. So what I would have to do occasionally, I would have to, like, record on my laptop. And this laptop is, like, old, it's, like, super old. And it would let me record, like, one track on Audacity. So I would record one one track, whether it just be, like, a guitar or, like, me singing with it. But then after that, like, you couldn't record over it and add new layers because it would then start lagging. And anything that you recorded, you'd find, like, portions of it cut out. So, like, you'd lose, like, a few seconds of recording in random spots. So that's when I would have to, like, press play on my laptop and then record with my phone and then i would record all the parts 
and I'd bring it to like a Starbucks and use their Wi-Fi to send the stems to my email. And then from my email, I'd have to convert the files, which they weren't Audacity supported. I had to convert them into a file that Audacity supported. And then after that, I could piece it all together. So it was just like incredibly stressful and tedious. And I think I would have been able to do a lot more if I wasn't limited with that. But by the end of it, like on the day that I finished recording the album, I was just I was just completely done. I didn't want to work on it anymore. I kind of hated the album actually afterwards. <laughs> You're gonna make a great dad because you must have <laughs> so much patience. <laughs> oh man. I can only hope so, man. <laughs> This brings up something else then. What about instrumentation? I mean, some of it is hard to make out. Um, well, the instrumentation is really simple, actually. Most of the album is done with guitar. And when I'm not doing guitar and singing, uh, the percussion was made using um, a water jug that was filled with coins. And I'd get different sounds by beating on it with different stuff, whether it be like a spoon or... A, a big thing that I like that I used a lot in the album was this potato masher, so I would like just beat on that. Let's see, I have this keyboard, so that's how I would, I would use the keyboard for it. And that's at, oh the recorder. I mean, the instruments really aren't that much. Uh, Kaya, my friend, like she allowed me to use her cello uh, recording that she made back in 2014, and to me, that's my favorite song off the album. Because I, I thought she did so wonderfully with that. I just added like the piano and the percussion on top of it. So it, it's about just like between those things. That's such a pretty track. Yeah, Kaya's Connectedville. Yeah, I tell her that all the time. She's actually going to university in Hawaii, so I can't actually like ask her to collaborate with us down here and perform. But one of my hopes is that we can do that eventually. It would be really cool to feature that song. We haven't done that song live yet. Okay, then talk about a live show. What is it like? Oh, it's terrible, man. I wouldn't recommend it. Like, there's just so much about performing that I have no idea. And I gave it a few tries, but really, I just don't think I'm there yet, man. Like, but I will tell you what, what it has been like so far. Um, I, I have my brother, who's... I'm like thankful to God that he's into my music because he's like always willing to help me out with anything, whether I need a, a guitarist or a bassist or a percussionist. He, like, he does it all, and he's, he's so talented. Um, he's 16 years old, and he's going to high school, and he's got like a super bright future ahead of him. So I'm just really thankful for him. On the other side, I've lost like, my friend Jose, who I, I met down here in Houston. And he's also a multi-instrumentalist. I can tell him to play anything and improvise, and he can like knock it out immediately and get exactly what I want. The only problem I feel like, on my end anyways, playing live is, uh, is really like my equipment, which is the same thing that I had for my recording process. But um, whenever we play the show, it's always just been us three. Or if, it, if it's not us three, it's just me solo. And we kind of changed instruments <laughs> we, change, we actually changed instruments a lot like we'll go from playing guitar to like playing percussion or playing piano because there's just too many parts on one song to, to perform it all so we just kind of work around it what kind of a reaction do you get at the shows because you've got to admit that your music might not suit everybody's tastes <laughs> well uh i don't know i am really thankful that people can see something great about it because 
I mean, when I get done playing a show, I mean, the, the only few shows that I've done, I just kind of feel like, wow, I can't wait to hear the next act already because, like, I, I kind of want to get this over with. But I am really thankful that there are people that come up to me afterwards and tell me that they really liked it. I mean, we've had someone come up to us, like, every time we played, and that, that makes it all worthwhile, I think. But I think the general reaction is just politeness, just polite clapping by the end of it. That works out great for me. Like I said, even a round of applause is better than nothing. <laughs> that's the that's the thing I dread. I think it's like you're done playing and no one says anything. <laughs> well, obviously you've got my attention. You know, especially with the new album, "A Raid Above the Seraphim Lights." As I said before, it's brilliant. Really, one of the songs that really got me that I think is just a beautiful track is "My My My." Do you want to uh-huh. share about that? Yeah, uh, My 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 is actually a song that was being written back in 2010. Uh, so it's been a couple of years. My writing style definitely is, it is pretty <laughs> enduring because like a lot of these songs have been sitting around in my head for a few years. And so anyways, My 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 is pretty much a love song. It, I mean, straightforward, it, it has much more to do with like like a humanly love than any of the other tracks on the album. Um, I just tried to write down stuff that I would write down if it was if I was making a love song for somebody. <laughs> You're certainly going to win, you know, especially on the the final line when you say, "My, you're looking lovely. My, your gaze distracts me. My love is yours to keep." Oh man, you've got that girl. She's <laughs> she's going to say, "Yeah, you're mine forever too." <laughs> man, you know, I it's just so funny like to to hear that because. Most of my songs are pretty like worship, and then we have like that track, and it's it's not very often that I make love songs, just because I feel more comfortable singing about my faith with Jesus. Mm-hmm. But I feel a little better knowing that Song of Solomon made it into the Bible, and that's pretty much a love book. <laughs> I use that a little bit as like something to fall back on, at least when I think I'm being a little too cheesy. So why is it that you feel that you are more comfortable just sharing about your faith versus relationships? Um, well, my faith is something that I feel might be able to, like, help uh, another believer. Because, for one thing, I don't think that there's enough experimental worship music out there. I think that there are great worship artists. I I love Phil Wickham. And actually, I really like Chris Tomlin, too. Um, those guys, I feel like, like, they've got a great team of producers behind them. And even themselves are, like, great songwriters, I feel. And they're, they're, they're not something that I feel like we should ignore. But I do wish that we would have more experimental worship artists. Like, Half-Handed Cloud is like got to be in like, top three favorite bands ever. And everything that pours out of that guy's mouth is just like Bible verse or some, some kind of thing alluding like either straight worship or just preaching straight from the Bible. And I, I really look up to that because music is such a universal thing. But when you can tie it with the most universal being, I mean, God, <laughs> to me, it's just like the most beautiful combination you can make in like art. Um, I feel more comfortable like making more of something that isn't out there. I'd like to see more experimental worship artists, that's for sure. I don't see any of it happening. <laughs> It'll catch on, man. That's the next big genre, 2017. I-, I feel like if you have standards for music, I, I think you can create better music. 
and for that, I don't think you should ever apologize. I've been in that situation kind of before where you've had to tell a friend that you just weren't into their music, especially when it's something meaningful like like worship or like like Christian rock or something. But I mean, not all Christian music is is that great. This is one that I actually heard from a producer, and the artist came in. She sang the song, and he says, well, what about we change this and change that and change this? She said, you can't change that because God gave me those lyrics. And he says, why would God give you such bad lyrics? (laughs) The guy was right. But I think a lot of people, well, you know, their intentions are good. Sure, if their intentions are good, but let them do it for their family and friends and nobody else. (laughs) <laughs> but I mean, like, I think an artist who understands that that the work can always use a little bit of work, like, they shouldn't really be taking offense to that. I mean, for me, like, I- I've gotten my fair share of criticism on, on my end, too, because, like, I mean, my production isn't great, or I mean, too loud, or, or it's too loose. I don't know. I don't even know what that meant. I got that once. But, like, the point is that I can separate my work apart from myself, because, I mean, work should, I mean, especially art. You should always be improving on art because there's always new areas to grow. If I could have someone say that to me, I'd just be really thankful that they heard it. Well, at least then they're thinking about it too, aren't they? Instead of just droning in their ear and not paying attention to it. Yeah, exactly. You know, something I had to Google was one song title. Your Baileys of Water (laughs) off of a raid above the Seraphim Lights. And I found that Baileys meant the outer walls of a castle. Or at least I'm assuming that you were actually talking about that and not about Baileys Irish Cream. Because, you know, <laughs> most even Oxen songs lyrically are pretty straightforward, but not that one. What's it all about? Um, well, Baileys of Water is exactly like that. I just use like the imagery of the, like the outer walls of a castle, but like of water. So I'm talking about the clouds. So it's like as if the the clouds were the outer walls of God's kingdom, which is like, I mean, obviously, like, it's just clouds, you know, but moving from California to Texas, the biggest difference that you'll see is like the amount of clouds in the sky because it never rains in California. (laughs) And and over in Texas, it just pours, man, like pours to the point that there's flooding like yearly. Yeah, I guess yeah. So when I when I moved there in 2013, I mean, it was just it just struck me as like amazing, and yeah, that's that's really where it comes from. That is funny though, because everyone has to Google that. I've heard that so many times now. I didn't realize that it was maybe like that's been a little lost in the English language. Well, you did include that too on it on the other song, Connectant. Oh, what does that mean again? <laughs> <laughs> that's it okay you answered my question <laughs> well listen okay so you talk about your music illustrating your faith and also being experimental so i guess that's meaning that you're not really planning on having your music played on christian top 40 radio oh man you know dave that is a depressing thought <laughs> <laughs> it is isn't it <laughs> because like i would love to make a song that could hit the top 40 i mean i do you know who swans are mm-hmm. okay so like their 2014 album to be kind is like this is incredible and it's incredible because it is so noisy <laughs> and uh but they made it in the top 40 i mean like they charted 
I so I mean, man, if Swans could do it, they might be a hope for even Oxen. I don't know about Christian radio though. I mean, I'm, my hope is that one day I could be able to write a song that would be good enough for them because I feel like it's such a different craft. And like I said, I'm not trying to knock on like the popular Christian artists because I have a lot of respect for the the Christian artists that have maintained their popularity and continue to to climb charts even in like the secular realm, like Switchfoot. And even for King and Country, I really respect those guys because it's not easy making a, a charting pop song. They make it look so easy, you know? And, like, I, I hear it so often that it sucks, you know? Like, But it's not easy. I, I wish I could do it, man. But all I, all I really have is experimental music at the moment. <laughs> um, I'd love to do I mean, I'd love to be able to make it charting. Uh, just give me the blueprints, man, and I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> Then what about the future of Even Oxen? What are the plans? Well, uh, that's such a good question. Because up until I made a raid above the Seraphim Lights, um, I hadn't undertaken any serious like thought into or action into making music as a like as a full time thing. And even going with school and work, I still have doubts. I have doubts whether I'm ever going to actually like keep pursuing music. But at the same time, you can't really ever stop doing what you love. I mean, whenever I'm at my house and I have some free time, sometimes I just find myself playing guitar. So if it happens, then great. But really, I'm open to all possibilities. I'd love to keep be able to keep experimenting. And not just with experimental music, but with pop music. Because I feel like like the best artists are able to like balance both. One group that I look up to a lot is Animal Collective. Mm-hmm. And they they started off very experimental they incorporated a lot of like improvisation and then incredibly long songs with just like like complex structures to it and then they ended up like 10 years later making Meriwether Postphilion that ended up charting so to see these guys and like their journey on music is a, a huge inspiration to me because they're, they're just like, the greatest example I feel like that you you don't have to abandon both. You don't have to choose pop instead of experimental or experimental over pop. You can, you can have both and you can make it work great to the point where you can achieve critical success and commercial success. I mean, that's not really my aim. My, hopefully my aim is just, just to you know, just keep doing what I love. And if it ends up being something that people like, that's great. But to answer your question, I'm open to everything. You're saying this has been really cool. Thanks for bringing the music of Even Oxen to the antidote. Oh yeah, my pleasure, man. I've enjoyed like being able to talk to you, and I can't wait to keep hearing more from your show. And it's an honor just to even be featured on here. <laughs>